check yourself, bro. Ha <laughs> ha, check. Oh, man. It's, uh, it's Big Will losing hair. What remains of my hair turning gray, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, stressed out. Uh, Terrell, my good friend Terrell Granham, he's concerned about me. Stop by. How you doing, Terrell? I'm good. I'm also losing hair, too, so I'll, I'll join you on this journey. <laughs> <sighs> Boy, you know, I, I quickly, I wasn't going to go here this early, but I got... <laughs> I I uh my day job cuz metal ain't paying the bills. Uh a young man uh who um who has a disability. Uh his way of uh letting me know that he's making fun of me. <laughs> he calls me just for men. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> just for men he calls me like that for the listeners. The listeners don't realize I'm balding on top and that's like a that's like a hair club for men type of thing, right? I get, yeah. That's right. a good one. I've never heard that one. Yeah, just for me. That's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what up, Joe Rogaine? Some shit like uh, that. Oh, don't. He might. Sorry, I sorry. I don't want him sorry. to hear you. I don't want him to hear you. I don't want them to catch on at St. Vitus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, nah, man. Terrell, l- listen. Uh, enough enough about that, man. I'll 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 come back to my misery. How, the listeners want to know, how have you been? It's been a little while since we had you on. It's been good, man. Like, you know, life is crazy, but it always is. But uh, staying busy with the music projects, staying busy with work, you know, grinding through, man. I can't believe we're pretty much halfway through the year. This it's flown by, man. It's been a blur. You're right. You're right. It's uh, time flies, Um, especially when you're grinding. It's, yeah, it's like it's like the clock's ticking, man. The sand, it sands through the hourglass. It's not like time flies when you're having fun. It's like time is of the essence. <laughs> Got to get it in for the year. Well, I mean, you got you just dropped another project, right? Or you announced another project? Fill me, fill me and the listeners up to date. Tell them all about it. Say the band name clearly, so we have time to write it down. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I'm saying it properly. Um, the band uh, project is called Soul Nostalgia, kind of like nostalgia, like you're missing the sun, like uh, your sad boy. Um, and this is a project that uh, me and Pat we've been working on, kind of in secret or whatever you want to say um reason i've announcing it because we're playing our first show on uh the 7th of june so coming up quick but this you know it's a little live debut that we've uh decided to take on and get out there so it just started with me and pat and this is my first project playing drums instead of guitar wow all right i i like that man following through on something different I um uh this is a big week for the team. Unfortunately, I'm going to be out of town. People can look at Exsanguinated social media. Exsanguinated going to be out there in Ohio and Minnesota, Iowa, uh all going all over the United States of America through early June. Look for Exsanguinated on social media, see where we're going to be. Um but also not just that show you just talked about. Gray Sky's Fallen the 9th of June, that Friday with Mother of Graves and Soul Shade uh at Kingsland. So Big big look for the team if they if they get Sal out there. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. Ah. But yeah, man, we're keeping busy, man. Yeah, we're, yeah. It's either Rika's playing or we're all playing separately. <laughs> all always something going on. Still time, by the way, for the listeners. If you're listening to this off the rip uh on Friday morning early with your coffee, like we're drinking coffee right now, you can still get to Necrofest because this episode should be out that the weekend of Necrofest. 
Um, uh, so that you know the the uh, the boys and stabbed are going to be the Sanguasuga, but it's, it's going to be a mess. If you want to check out more content about that, we just dropped a podcast last week with Tage and Zach, part of the team responsible for Necrofest out there in Brooklyn. Um, I had a, 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 a Necrofest of my own almost, man. My my, I I, I had a near Necrofest driving back from Afterbirth. Uh, record final mixing sessions for the new album. My Jeep almost necroed out on me, man, on the Jackie Robinson Parkway, coming home wow. from 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 Woodhaven and Queens, dude. It's the worst place too. Last, last is tough. Uh, be my witness. Last Saturday it was raining like more than usual. It was raining like was we were bad. like we were in a tropical country or something. It was raining really crazy. We finished the after. I I had have a root canal the night before. By the way, my my, my wow. My tooth was crazy. The next day, I drive out to Afterbirth Mixing. I don't chew gum or eat hard foods during the <laughs> sessions. Uh, we mix the album. I'm, I get in the Jeep out there. and what I say, all right, time to go. It's raining. Let me get home. The mix went great. All of a sudden, every time uh, I accelerate on the Jackie Robinson Parkway out there, my whole Jeep shakes, like as if, like, as if, a, as if, a, as if being... Uh, as if some gigantic, jolly green giant-like creature was doing hyperblasts on the Jeep with a, <laughs> with a tree as a drumstick. And I, so I, I, I drove 40 miles an hour trying not to accelerate all the way. You know where I live deep on Long Island compared yeah. to Queens out there. Let, thank, thankfully, thank you to the fine people at Jeep. I, I, I got my shit to my mechanic here in Huntington, and, I, and I, I had to call it in and get a ride back to the crib, back to Smith Manor. It was crazy. Um, shout out to my driver Jeeves. It was that was a rough day, man. So, but but thankfully the Afterbirth album was mixed. It was tumultuous, man, fraught with peril. Uh, the whole experience, everything's been been fixed now. Thankfully, I'm very grateful for that experience. Another person who knows what it's like, um, uh, uh, persevering through trouble, through uh, all sorts of uh, uh, different obstacles, just to get your death metal across. Um, m- more obstacles than me even. Roberto uh, Garcia Terena, the longtime founding member and um, uh, uh, stalwart uh, captain of the band Fermento, one of the uh, pioneering brutal death metal bands out of the country of Spain. I got him on the horn. We're going to hear all about it. From Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Roberto Garcia from Fermento, one of Spain's longest-running brutal death metal bands. Welcome to Heavy Hole Podcast, and thank you for your time. Okay, thanks for inviting me to your radio. It's, it's a pleasure, and I very appreciate for it. Uh, of course, a hundred percent. And with that being said, we were just speaking before I hit record, and you made some um, great points about death metal and so on. So I just want to get right into the interview. Um, and as you know, the first question I'm going to ask is, do you come from a family with any history of musicians or the performing arts? And was there anyone who introduced you to hard rock and heavy metal as a child? 
Yes, um, it's an interesting question, and I really like you you ask for, you ask it because yes, indeed, uh, my my grandfather was a professional violinist. Unfortunately, I met I never met him because he died when I was a baby. But music uh, has always present in my house as something essential, uh, something very important. Um, in puberty, I remember I listened to, to classical music all day, you know, Albinoni, Wagner, um, all through uh, at home, uh, jazz and all quality kinds of um, quality modern music well enjoyed. Um, about your second question, um, uh, no, no, nobody introduced me to, to, to metal. I myself discovered uh, Bannon in a rocker store. I think the, the, the cover of the, of that LP, Welcome to Hell, was really impressive to me. And well, I say, I'm going to buy it. Um, and this was where all it all started. I also listened to, to Motorhead in my beginnings, um, Asep and Judas Priest as well. But I quickly focused on trash metal because heavy metal was um, was not my really cup of tea, you know. Um, you could say that, uh, fortunately, I never went through a heavy metal stage. And I said this because the heavy metal audience at that time was very traditional, very close. And they didn't like trash metal. For them, it was just punk music. They always criticize Bannon. They say they, Bannon makes uh, shit music. That's a all noise. And well, I think uh, they they repent fast because you know how things change with time. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, and. Uh, was it, was it, well, you just touched on how it was being into extreme metal when you were younger. Were there record stores and touring bands that visited your area where you grew up? Um, and were there many local metal bands? I'm, I'm assuming not, not really based on what you just said. I uh, no, no, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, at the beginning I ordered, uh, records from Germany and they charged me very deadly <laughs> because it was very expensive. I have to save money for three months or four months to be able to buy one record. Yeah, I am talking about the uh, 87, you know, 1987, 1986, uh, the 80s. Uh, then I did, then I did uh, tape trading all over the world with many bands. I was in contact with many, many, many bands that after they were a cool band. I am very proud of it. I was in contact with a very few legendary bands and visited some fan clubs that were actually uh, their homes, uh, like Destruction, uh, King Diamond, or Sodom. Uh, it was uh, great that music, that, that, that musicians of that band themselves would open the door of their house to, and let us find out who they are because. It, that's that's the period of of, of that uh, years, no? Uh, uh, very uh, nearly museums, you know, very close to the people, and and it's, it was a very very good times. I remember. Very underground. Uh, when, um and 
So speaking of, of these musicians, at what age do you yourself start playing guitar, and is that your first instrument? Uh, also, did you take lessons? All right. Well, I started playing gear a lot of the age of 16, 17. Uh, first uh, of all, it was an acoustic Spanish gear. A typical, you know, Spanish gear. <laughs> It's not so typical otherwise. Here, no, not many, not many people uh, play Spanish guitar. I think that in Latin America, South America is more often to play acoustic guitar than, than here in Spain. Well, the funny thing is that my first tips with, with it were playing when, when I listened in, for example, Boybot or Hellhammer with the <laughs> Spanish guitar. <laughs> and it was very funny to me. It was very funny. I remember shaking my head like crazy while pretending to be playing in a concert. Even so, I learned it to be fluent with my fingers and it helped my evolution to play the electric electric guitar, you know. Later, and seeing my interest, my mother enrolled me in a guitar academy where I learned my feet, uh, first church. But I stayed for a very short time because they spelled me for being a rebel. I really don't <laughs> like it to play that shit. And I, I, I don't remember very well what happened, but I think it, uh, it had to do with some argument with the teacher. There were a group clay class and I suppose the guy was a pedant and possibly overstep it with several students. Well, uh, since then I become self-doubt. I, I learned myself and the best way I had to continue learning was in the same ways, way as always I do, playing all the records I listen to every day. That was my first uh, step. As for being a bass, um, that I think it's, it's very interesting that learn myself with, with my own music, with the music I like it, you know. Yes, and, and Speaking of your own music, uh, you've also played the bass guitar on many Fermento recordings. Was this out of necessity because you couldn't find a bass player, or was it your personal preference? Uh, it was. It was necessary for several Fermento recordings, as you said. Um, confidentially, I had to do it because at that time, by chance, there was no basses. Uh, it's very, very casual. For the most of the time, Fermento always has a bassist, a bass player. But confidentially, I, I don't know what, what happened, but this moment, uh, I had to to play bass. Fair, fair enough. It happens very often uh, in underground bands. Yeah. Um, according to Metal Archives, it says you may have once been a member of Rotting Christ. Uh, could you speak about this experience, if this is true, and was this before Fermento? Um, uh, yes, yes, it was true, but uh, not was before Fermento. It was in the early, early years of Fermento. It was true that I played bass with them live and in, a, in a gig, in a gigs, but I don't understand how things like... I don't understand how these things can can leak into metal shapes. They might have a thousand eyes or a thousand <laughs> ears. It's incredible that that web can can find some uh, secret information. They indeed uh, 
No, I played secretly in a black metal band in Spain called Primigenium too, like a bass player. It's incredible. <laughs> the re- um, yes, yes, the relationship with Rotten Crest was very good and intense in their first period, you know, from Passage to Arturo to the Mighty, to the mighty Contact. Uh, first, we were pen pals for a very long time, and finally, the Sakis brothers decided to come to my house to spend some time together, and we did a little live show. It was a very, very nice. Um, back then, Fermento already exists, and we did play as an opening band with them in the concerts that were uh, here in Spain. We spent many, many good times, a good experience of immense drunkenness and parties that I organized in my house with several people I knew from the scene. Mm, and not precisely because they thought they they was famous, because at that time they, they were known. In fact, at this time, Rotten Chris was not very known. They can testify that we spent intense moments in a truly extreme and underground era and attitude. We broke shop windows. <laughs> <laughs> Once we had to flay because we fought with, uh, with some gypsies on the outside of the city. And they they well they went to call reinforcements to to beat to beat us you know <laughs> it was very intense. Wow! I honestly believe that the Sackett brothers would have liked to stay in Spain with me and possibly continue with Rotting Christ here. But yes, this is very interesting, no? What I said, but it it couldn't be because I couldn't continue living with two other men in my house for so long. Not because uh, we got along badly. No, no, no. We, we, we were very good friends. But because I need my space and my, in my case, I can only live in my home with my girlfriend. I can live with more people, you know. I don't know. I don't know what's what going to happen. Uh, but I think uh, the idea was maybe stay in Spain. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's the question. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing that the rotting Christ thing. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right, man. And um, thank you to Metal Archives for that. They do have a lot of eyes and ears out there in the scene. They're one of our best resources. Um, and, and now, speaking of the early years of Fermento, could you please speak about the formation of Fermento? The band was very brutal for 1992. Uh, what were some of the early influences, and um, was this sound accepted at local gigs, or were many people still expecting the old school sound? Uh, yes. Well, the band's first formation was made up with friends who previously knew each other because they were some of the few who were really involved in this music. And I just started the band because of the lack here in Spain of extreme bands in my country, since there was no really extreme death metal bands, but a kind of very primitive uh, trash, trash death, you know, compared to, to other international scenes. And that you are absolutely right. Uh, most people did not understand our music at that age, especially since they did not understand the voice my boys, you know, and that keep happening over the years. 
that is why I think that Fermento was was always uh, ahead of its time on the scene of all country. Recordings like like the Shining, uh, symbols of the Capitud, or even Insignia were too extreme for their their environment back then. You know. Yes, ahead of their time for um, brutality and also for the vocals. You you touched on your vocals. Um, you sometimes use a very kind of loud croaking voice, very guttural. Do you want to talk about how you developed that um, and if you use any different recording techniques or vocal exercises, maybe vocal warm-ups, um, and talk about that style? Because it's, it's very unique to you, to, to you. Okay, thank you, thank you. In fact... Oh, with all my, uh, with all humility and sincerity, I can say, I think I was one of the first singers who to use the extreme froggy voice. I think so. That kind of voice was the basis uh, in symbols of the Capitu, for example. But for the Shining demo, I think it was the most extreme vo voice of these years. Because it was twice as high and guttural as his symbol, so the capital after after that. Back then, I only remember maybe in Balmer, in his seven-inch EP, singing short, froggy, prose-style pieces without lyrics. You know, like background words and not fully lyrics sung like I did. I had never used an effect. I never, I don't remember using techniques, any techniques either. It's just that after years of singing every day in my house, this voice was achieved. I really like to, to sing in my house. I am a very, a nightmare as a, as a neighborhood. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, and and that is a very early era to be doing that that kind of croaking uh, vocal style, for sure. And and speaking of your demos, um, we've spoken on this program in the past. We had Chris Prevelis of Internal Bleeding on once, and some other people who in the past worked with Wild Rags Records. Uh, and Fervor of the Impure, your demo was released at one time by Wild Rags Records. I just wanted to ask if you remember anything about working with that label. Um, there's some some people have different opinions. It was a very long time ago, and I can't remember anything about okay. the label. I, I know, I know, uh, because um, some USA distros and levels release us indeed. All all release was re-released in USA, but I don't remember. And you say there is uh, some some people say different versions of what? Well, well, the the not of Fermento, but the Wild Rags Records. There were some bands who felt um, that there were dishonest business dealings with mm. Wild Rags Records, and then there are other bands who who defend him still. So ah, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I think there is a dark thing about. Um, maybe I, I, I can't remember. Yes, there is. There is uh, a thing that I think is not right. They never send me any demo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because I, 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 I use, I used to collect at least one one piece of of record you know one cd or one demo of every level they release us but i don't remember i, I don't have any any will drugs demo 
Okay. Uh, I think they, they never sent us the demo. I think so. Fair enough. I just want, because there are interesting stories that come out of that label. The the band Blasphemy from Canada, allegedly there's a story that they drove down to the record store one day um, to confront the owner over, over business dealings. That's a, a right. story. Out, so I, that's the only reason I ask. Um, but but moving on, um, in 1997, you released the album uh, Symbols of Decrepitude, Symbols of Supremacy um, on... Gore Mania Records. This was the last recording with uh, Cesar Castro on guitar and the last album for a few years. Was there a period of rebuilding for the band between this album and Insignia? Yes, yes. Yes, indeed. Cesar was a member of the band for many, many years. But that happened while I was living in Madrid. You know, Madrid, and for various reasons, for some reasons, I decided to move from from there to a city about six south north. When I finally decided to inform the band that I was moving, only Cesar was left in the band since the drummer and the bassist had left. There was one of the reasons why I continued with Fermento in another city and with a new formation because the band was was not dissolved, but there there is no no members. It was not it was not easy at all to find new members in in the new city, as small as Orense. It's a very small town in the north. Has been Madrid, the capital of the country, and so many so many people live there. It has always been easier to find someone there. I think yes, I, I I could find more more musicians in Madrid, but otherwise I I decided to move to the north because I really I don't like I didn't like it to to live in a so big city like Madrid. I I, I am very fed up of people, you know. Okay, and um, speaking, I wanted to ask you that because. Where you what 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 area are you originally from in Spain? I'm I'm not really familiar with a lot of Spain. To to have moved to Madrid, are you from more of a rural area, a less populated area, and then you got a little bit of a like a culture shock in the city? Uh, well, I born in Madrid. I born in Madrid, and I lived in Madrid for for many years, about uh, until my thirty, and then I I left left Madrid and go to 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 the north to Orense it's an extreme left in the extreme north, uh, west yes in the extreme west and well is that that's only two two cities I, I live I lived in in Spain I understand okay so originally from Madrid and then you left uh, at that, at that point yes yes fermento fermento born in Madrid and they were known in Madrid as as one of the most important uh, Spanish rural uh, bands. But I I moved to the north, and I indeed it's because I I I compose and I play the guitar and I played vocals. It was it was not so difficult find a bass and a drummer, you know. Yes, to fi- to find support. Um... Has has Fermento um, toured uh, and and played uh, outside of Spain extensively? 
Mm, it was only in Portugal, and we make uh, about maybe two, two or three tours in tours in my country, and the symbols tours, uh, the insignia, and and another tour with like a, and another with a tribute of the symbols CD. It was about uh, three years ago. And we release a live recording too. Yes, but we 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 didn't out. We have we have some some offers, but I think the conditions were not exactly good conditions. You know. Okay. Um... We 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 always uh, be prudent. We always. Uh, prefer to to wait and to wait on a, for a good offer and I was I think now with the new CD we have in mind uh, I think we will be more open to to play out of my country okay um and you you mentioned I do want to speak about your plans uh, for the future but be, but before we get to that you brought up uh, your album insignia can you speak about the themes of war on insignia uh, and I would follow that up do you study history and politics at all and does this inspire your lyrics in any way yes <clears throat> indeed it's a very good question um, a very interesting interview thank you thank you um, the lyrics of the Insignia album are about uh, fanaticisms in humans. In this case, inspired by the topic of uh, World War II. But that could be done with any country at that time, since the world was always been at war. Yes, I must admit that I focus on German fanaticisms which was the most aberrant and crazy fanatic themes of the modern era. That's why the photos inside the CD, just to clarify, the lyrics have an ironic background because it's really insane to try to believe that they would be able to conquer the one wall, live only one race, also to believe that they were gods above the rest of the planet. And this happened only 70 years ago. It's incredible. I consider myself as a rational misanthrope who studies women and makes sarcasms of all the contradictions that they theories entail. Seeing their facts, obviously, as a misanthropy man, I also expose in my lyrics that negative energy against the vast majority of the women. What you have to be clear about is that I am a person who hates fast themes because it's hypocritical like religion and because it only looks as the privilege of the wealthiest. I know this very well because in my country we have uh, in the 20th century a fascist dictatorship until 1975 that left the country 40 years behind in comparison to other European countries. I have studied story, philosophy, and literature as a student. By my addiction to the World War II began thanks to my uncle, who created a magazine about modeling war tanks, 
planes, weapons. He introduced me to these topics since I was a little girl child. So your uncle published a magazine about uh, um, different weaponry and 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 machines used in warfare. Indeed, yes, he is. Uh, indeed, he. There was a TV nonsense in the in the TV. There was yes, indeed, commercials in the TV huh. at that time, at that age. So very, he was a very professional about modeling uh, and about many things of from the World War Two. I am very proud. I am very proud of of, of what uh, he did me as a child because. Um, I think it's very interesting as a child see these human conflicts, you know. Yeah, human. That's that's what humans do best is conflict. <laughs> um, and the this this is interesting because it's it's a it's almost a it's it's a conceptual album regarding warfare. When you listen to Insignia. The, the production quality itself is bombastic. The album uh, has a brutal atmosphere, and it, and it sounds like a war almost. Um, could you speak a little bit about the sound quality of the album? Is that intentional, that things sound like almost so, so overdriven and over-the-top and bombastic? Oh, yes, yeah. I appreciate your opinion about this CD because I really think, like you, and I also think that this CD was very underrated both compositionality and for its production. I think this happened because it possibly did not have enough distribution even through Patrick's production distributed in the US. Indeed, it was a very poor, it's a very good production for the time and for the country like Spain. Seeing that studio had never recorded a dead metal band before, you know. The recording process was very quick, was very quick, yes. In three days, everything was done and remastered. It was a laborious work because this CD has many riffs and diverse structures apart from a devilish speed, you know. As you said, the atmosphere is impregnated with a warlike and fanatic climax that overflows with energy and violence. For this reason, we use a lot of, a lot of energy in this recording, but fortunately, we have that momentum, yes. Okay, and you you mentioned before because um, you said that this studio you said you said the production for Spain at this time, which was two thousand four, and you mentioned the studio had not produced a death metal record before. When you were touching on the political themes, you mentioned that Spain was under a fascist dictatorship until the uh, the mid to late seventies, which you said set the country back forty years. Do you feel that that also affected? The audio production industry, and that's and 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 the um, that you know people maybe should keep that in mind when listening to older recordings coming out of Spain. Yes, at some point, all all that shit, all that shit uh, matters. Um, Spain would be a uh, without the dictator. I, I said mm, Spain was. 40 years uh, with a dictator and the only music was uh, supported by social media was terrible flamenco and pop and really really is what very i don't know third world you know third world uh, 
vision. Yeah. Um, it was was very was very difficult. Uh, I think until eighties um, or nineties, things improve. But but it's a, a really bad thing, you know. Forty years uh, listening such a music, horrible music as. <laughs> I'm sorry, people who like flamenco, but it's like bullfight and it's like uh, football, not the Spanish football. If, if if you grow up as a child with only that things, you will hate it. If you are intelligent, you know, because it's what force. It's what force. They impose it to you. Yeah, you 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 can't enjoy something if it's forced on you. If it's force fed up to you, definitely. Um, <clears throat> well, your, your next album, Recipe for Cremation, uh, pardon me, Recipe for Cremation was the last studio album released by the band to date. Can you speak about the lineup, uh, for this album and the creation of the album? It's very tight and catchy. Um, did the band rehearse very often prior to the studio sessions? Because it's, it sounds like a well-oiled machine, you know, it, it, the, the performances are captured very tightly. Yeah, the formation for this album was consolidated as the longest lasting formation that there has been in Fermento. In fact, uh, except for the drummer, the other members are still part of the band, actually. I think they have been for about at least 18 years now. When we recorded this album, we had quite a few songs to record, uh, but we only recorded eight due to book gets users from the record lover that they might limit the money you know i have to say that personally i didn't end up very satisfied with the production of the cd and i consider that this has much worse production than insignia so this shudders me because this cd deserves a good production it's a very fast and highly aggressive album indeed yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's de it's definitely a different sound uh, than than Insignia. I I always enjoyed it. Um, you mentioned uh, that this is the longest running lineup, with the exception of of um a, a drummer. The next question I have is that um, ten years after the release of Recipe for Cremation, for Cremation, as you said, the band appeared with three fourths of the same lineup to perform and record a live album in Madrid. Can you talk about how this came to be and was Fermento inactive during this whole time? Well, I, I want to answer your last question. Uh, no, we have not been inactive at any time. Uh, we are the same three, four members as, as I said, uh, 18 years ago. Uh, we, we, mainly, we mainly like to rehearse, you know, uh, practice in our local. We like to play our instruments. The reason we haven't recorded more CDs is that uh, we only have done it when a record company has offered us to record an album. <laughs> this is a fer the Fermento Secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, we never pay for a recording. From the first 7-inch EP to the last live CD that you mentioned, all recording the studio recordings, printing the CDs, mastering was paid by the labels. That is something to be proud of. 
even so in a country like Spain, where the general attitude has always been to offer a ready, a ready-made product and pay for the recording. All the bands itself. Another thing that has been uh, that this fast actually has a drawback that it takes a long time to release a new CD because if you don't send demos or record songs to a record company, it will probably take years for one of <laughs> them to come looking for you to offer to release something. Indeed, this has also been typical of the attitude of our extremely underground band like Fermento that has been very anti-commercial and never through about sales or being famous, you know. But, well, at this stage, all that can change a bit because after 33 years of being completely underground and faithful, we think we can now try to stretch towards being a bit more well-known and find a level that can promote us more. Seeing our previous levels have not been strong enough to promote us. It is not betraying ourselves that after three decades, it's, we believe that we deserve to be more known and that we can tour abroad, you know. It is not asking for fame. It is asking for the dignity of a band that has been faithful to extreme music during all his life and doing, in my opinion, quality music. For this reason, we have decided for the first time with this new CD that we will try to record in a few months to send material to certain levels for the possibility that they could offer us a contract. The recording of the live today that you mentioned was especially requisite by a level. We found it interesting to express oranger and aggressiveness through a live album. And I can say that up through the production is not a 10. It does reflect that climax, climax of our live shows, you know. Yes, it's as a, as a live brutal death metal album. Uh, I I enjoyed it very much. It's got, it does have great sound. Sometimes you have a live album that doesn't have that that has uh, bootleg quality sound, but this live album has very good sound. Um, the next question I have, speaking on that, you just talked about the uh, the integrity of the band through all of these years, through three decades, and and um, the the respect. You have been the constant member of Fermento through all lineups and probably the main songwriter, if I'm not mistaken. Do you attribute this to you having an uncompromising vision? And do you find difficulty maintaining a consistent lineup because it's hard to find people who match that commitment? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. For me, uh, being a part of Fermento and making music is like reading my motorcycle, my Harley Davidson, <laughs> or lifting weights. It's a part of who I am. This is not a business or a job. This is a lifestyle, and this has always caused uh, envies and resentment in so many people who have gone through all of this in a transitory way, you know. Or also in people who continue who continue on, but who see me as a something too true to be admired, but their eyes. Unfortunately, these days, being authentic house more dabs and problems in others than being 
that is convenient to be for them according to the moment of their lives. Uh, generally, people who are supposed to be as they should be according to the different lifestyles are the one that unleash the biggest passions and hatred. And this happens in every sectarian sphere in the elites. But be it in the street music, in the world of the motorcycles, groups, or in the gym. It is it's not the same to look for members for a band in a city of three million inhabitants like Madrid than in one of 200,000 people here in Lorenzo. Of course, it's very complicated and also the few people that might be interested sometimes are intimidated by the band that has been in existence for 30, 33 years and they believe they cannot be at that level. Uh, luckily, most of the part of my members of the band, three, four parts of my members, have been permanent for almost two decades. Mm -hmm. The only big thermal problem has been, is and will be a permanent drummer. That's the, the I think, happens in every in every band. The, this is the biggest problem for death metal bands worldwide. I I usually. Uh, and the, and a lot of the good drummers end up in in three or four bands or more because of this. Um, very very common. You mentioned before you started speaking about the idea of possibly trying to tour abroad um, and trying to get more recognition. The idea of a um, a future album. I don't know if you want to just take a minute and expand on any of that and, and tell Fermento fans what they might expect from the future um, or if there's even any other projects that you might be involved in. Right. Yes, uh, we have uh, composing songs for the new album for, time, for some time now. It will be a great step forward since we have changed a lot, compositivity, you know, also in sound and voice. Also to tell you that it will be surprise a lot of people because the change is very radical. As a band, we are still very extreme and we are not going to stop making dark and fast music, but we can bring you and other more convoluted health that I know exactly call it exactly brutal death. Uh, now we are going to try to move our material and take off towards a more notable presence on that scene because after more than 30 years we deserve it. I think we deserve it. We had been just musicians. We had been just musicians until now, but we have to be something more than that if we want to be more recognized worldwide. About live appearance, yes, we would like to make tours as soon as the new album is out. That's why it's so important for us to join a, a great level. But yes, I think it was a very, a very good surprise, the new, the new material. Uh, I don't say the music will be so different. I think the important, the main point is that it will be, it will be more quality music and very strange, very fast and very dark, but not in the canon of the term brutal that, you know. Hmm. Okay, I'm very interested, man. I'm very intrigued for the future. 
uh, as are, I'm sure, other Fermento fans uh, who, are, who are listening. I appreciate your time thus far, and to be respectful of your time, um, the, the closing question I always ask in these interviews is for you to please recommend one older and one newer recording um, for, our, for, for myself and our listeners, whether it's an album or a demo or, a P or an EP uh, or metal or any other genre, just something a little bit older and something a little bit more recent that you listen to to recommend. Hmm. Well, that's a problem about the recent. <laughs> Actually, it's very difficult to find really, really very good uh, CDs. But well, I, I think I will recommend uh, an European band and a USA band. Both bands to me are very interesting, and I think they have a really great quality. Not exactly brutal there, but it's the way I have told you. Uh, Brutal, brutal music is the important thing, not like uh, doing exactly the same thing all, all the time. And I can say um, Arcon in Faustus, Perdition in Sanabilis, and maybe it's uh, the older, the older one I can recommend to the listeners. Arcon in Faustus uh, is a very devilish and brutal band, very dark, very sick. Um, as a U.S. band, I'm going to be original, very, very different, and I'm going to recommend uh, Evangelist, Righteous in the Morgue. Uh, I know Evangelist has many records, latterly in the last, in the last years, the sound is very bad, and maybe, maybe they change, and the quality is not the same, but I think this, the first, the first uh, CDs from Evangelist, are very devilish too, are, are very, it's like a living hell. It's a very dark and very brutal too. And this is the, the two, the two CDs I, I can recommend them to a listener, Alconis uh, Faustus and Evangelist. Okay, yeah, I'm looking up, Evangelist is uh, a band from Poland? Yes. Yes, I'm looking them up right now, not familiar, I will check that out. And Arcane and Faustus was the first band, right? Uh-huh, all right, all right. Very interesting stuff, man. And um, and I'm also going to listen to Rotting Christ with a little bit of a different uh, perspective now, too. I appreciate that story. Robert, before I let you go, uh, Roberto, before I let you go, one question. You mentioned Harley Davidson's. You're an avid Harley Davidson rider? Indeed. I'm a fanatical, only bike, right? I don't drive cars all my life, and I, my tattoos are at least to ride, right to live. <laughs> Okay, so would you say that biker culture is something that you're also very steeped in? Well, I think so. In Spain, I don't know, in the U.S. Maybe in the U.S. things changed because it was very, the, origin, the origin of that culture about the, the MCs, you know, and all that. But here in Spain, is, uh, it's not really serious. It's all to pretend. I'm really tired. <laughs> I retire really. I I I am a long a long rider. Uh, some people offers me to join an MEC, but it's really a chaos and it's 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 a joke, man. It's a joke. <laughs> they don't read. They, they they don't write. They have only the motorcycles to expose them. They don't. They don't. Maybe I, I'm gonna tell you something. I, my first job in Madrid was a messenger with a motorcycle. I, I, uh, well, with with yes, 18 years ago, eight, uh, 18 years, 
I work as a messenger 12 hours a day in a big city, carrying packets and letters in a motorcycle. That was my first job. And, and I, have, I have the bike in my veins, you know. <laughs> um, when, when you, as I said in the, in the interview, it's very difficult uh, to see a really authentic and clear and straight people in supposed, in the supposed extreme, uh, I, I don't call it sex, but movement, you know. It's, it's very funny, and the movements that pretend to be the the stronger, as you know, uh, extreme music uh, riders from the riders, motorcycle riders, and weight weight lifters in the gym. Uh, there is only a one percent or two percent people who really like it, really, really like that uh, style of life like uh, something important and something authentic, you know, is is mostly of them like, like pretend to be. And everybody mm, consented. <laughs> everybody consented. And well, I, I don't want to pretend to, to teach anybody, but things are very easier and, than, than it seems be or not to be. <laughs> mm. Wow. That's, that's profound. I appreciate that, man. Um, and it, yeah, it sounds like in all walks of life, uh, you have people that are just doing, doing things for cosmetic reasons. Um, Indeed. yeah. Wow. Indeed. All right, man. Uh, Roberto, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate the interview and we're going to uh, remind our listeners to be on the lookout um, for, for new material from Fermento and new shows coming up in the future. Uh, we're going to tell our listeners to tell all their favorite labels to sign up Fermento, um, put out the album and, uh, any parting words for followers of our show and listeners of your music. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, I really appreciate your interview. It's a very interesting interview. Most of the interviews are very boring and all the same, the same thing. You, 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 your interview was very well done, it was worth it. I really appreciate your your interview, the quality of it, you know. Thank you. And, and yes, um, people can support Fermento unknown. We have a, a band camp, all the music is free there. <laughs> you can listen to the, 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 the albums in band camp and decide to support or not. But now things are very easy to you. We just enter in the website and, and listen for free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, time has changed. <laughs> you don't you don't pay anything. About well, if you support, well, you, you can you can uh, see our Facebook. Uh, you can see uh, our bank and in the future we will release uh, this CD and we'll we'll have uh, more news. Indeed, we are now in a low profile because it's like uh, calm before the storm, you know. Mm. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. But we are working something very big. Uh, I think it will be fresh and polemic. And well, the thing is, is, is dark and, and really stream. This important thing. I really appreciate your, your time. 
Uh, you as well. Thank you very much, Robert. We'll 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 be following you guys um, in the future. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Big shout to Roberto from uh, Fermento. Um, that's a guy. That's kind of a bucket list guest of mine that I've been looking forward to getting for a long time. Glad we could work that out. Um, shout to Tom on the edits back there and the whole heavy whole team man behind the scenes and, and Justin as as always every week working hard diligently in the production team. Um, but Terrell, I'm with you now, uh, my faithful co-host, and I appreciate the fact that you brought something to my attention this week for a recommendation. Do you want to go in on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll start it off. Uh, since we're in a grinding mood, um, the recommendation for this week is the newest album from Sulfuric Cautery, and that's called The Suffocating Feats of Dehuman- ah, Dehumanization. Mm. Um, I believe this is out on Haunted Hotel. I think you could also pick it up at Nervalter. Um, But if you know Sulfuric Cautery, you know what you're in for. Uh, hyperblasting, gore grind, sometimes borderline brutal death metal. Um, and it's just... Uh, it's crazy. It's always like off the rails, pushing the limits. But funny, uh, funny enough for me, I find the drumming to be very catchy. That's kind of what I lock into. Um, the guitars are usually a, a wash, but uh, Isaac Isaac Horn, the drummer of this band, pretty much is definitely top tier grindcore drummers for me. And anytime you hear him playing on a record, his style is kind of uh, it always jumps out. Um, just like him and uh, Brian Fajardo. Uh, even the drummer from Triac, like these are some real standout guys. And on this record, he like he really goes. This is some of the fastest shit you'll hear. Um, fans of even like Cryptopsy, if you're like more of an OG fan, you want to hear that flow Monier style blasting with uh, pitch shifted vocals and just all over the place goodness. This newest uh, Sephira Cottery or anything in their discography is sick, but this one especially is. They've even pushed it further. I, I agree, man. You mentioned uh, flow from Cryptopsy. You mentioned the drums. Uh, that's kind of where my mind went when I was listening to this and kind of thinking about what to say. I, I'm just like reflecting on um, and the gore grind. The gore grind people are gonna call me out. Big Will's a poser. I can't remember what exactly <laughs> what release it was when Last Days of Humanity shifted gears. I think okay, it was their yeah. their second album, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe their third, whatever the release. I think it was their second album. I want to say. Um, but whenever they shifted gears into the hyper-blasting gore grind phenomenon that they would become and be known for primarily, um, the kind of, like, second era or second life of Last Days of Humanity, because they had, like, their first album was more of your, you know, slower pay, average-paced gore grind, so to speak. Nothing wrong with it, but there was a, there was definitely a point where they kind of became this streamlined, in my opinion, gore noise-influenced version of gore grind. The, the, and 100%. Like, and it fit in with like the ping style of death metal somewhere. So all I'm gonna say, like when that happened in the late '90s, it had a similar effect on gore grind as when None So Vile came out by Cryptopsy, because obviously they had been Cryptopsy had obviously been doing the the, the hyper blasting before None So Vile, but I feel like None So Vile was the album that went wide, so yep. to speak. 
Uh, I remember that being the album that, like, here in New York, you know, in, in my generation, like, all of a sudden everybody knew about it, Everybody and everybody wanted their drummer to blast like that. I think the similar phenomenon happened with Gore Grind with Last Days of Humanity. And I'm all all this, you know, talk about bands that aren't so fair coterie. All I'm saying is that I see them as like the forerunner of this subgenre of gore grind that came out of that. They're the modern answer to that. Uh, gore grind is hot now in a way that it, it kind of wasn't for a while. And like now I see it kind of maybe maybe catching some of the peripheral hype off of death metal in general being bigger now. Some of the people are going to gore grind off of that, which is cool. And um, so Fair Cautery just seems like one of those bands that's like at the forefront of all of that. So like, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's it's hard for me being a guy of a certain age who got into gore grind in the mid '90s, and you know Adam Adam Rotella knew everything about it, so I kind of had like a good uh, window into it. It's hard for me to get into newer gore grind simp just for the fact that there's so much of it, man, and there's yeah. so much of it that sounds alike, and you can just always go back and listen to Regurgitate or the first Carcass album or dead infections blah, blah blah so on and so forth um hemorrhage and all these bands so like so fair quarter is definitely one of those bands where if you're gonna make a list of like top five or top 10 gore grind bands you know the modern era to listen to for you know to the jaded og or to the new school person that doesn't know much about gore like this is one of those bands that would be on that list they're a forerunner of the scene great recommendation and the gore grind listeners this is nothing new to them like the gore grind listeners already know about yep. this probably you know what i mean um, but like the, the other listeners who don't know about this. And if you're saying like gore grind, I don't get it or gore grind. There's so much of it where to start. This is, this is for you. Maybe too, man, right here. That's, that's what I'll leave it off at. And, and any final thoughts? Yeah. Like you said, especially if you're big into brutal death metal, um, even Brodekin and Fetopsy stuff, uh, like John Eggman style projects, you'll definitely be a fan of this. And, um, I've seen Isaac kind of embrace that brutal death metal and it, it's, it's coming through. You know, this it's not just a ping. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, like you mentioned, with uh, Last Days of Humanity. I think it's in advanced hemorrhaging conditions or something is around when they started that. And then yeah. they went into putrefaction and prog uh, progress. But it, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of crazy. How can you, how can noise be catchy, right? Like, they kind of did it. Yeah, and I think, like also you said, integrating the brutal death metal sound in there. It makes them a bit of a gateway band, maybe for the death metal heads uh, into gore grind, and um, it it lends something to you know that it it doesn't subtract from either side. It only compl you know the the death metal complements the gore grind, the gore grind complements the death metal. Maybe that's part of the catchiness therein. Um, you know what I'm saying? Sure, man. Only six shit. Yeah. So let, let's uh, uh, Tom. Let's let T Tom bring him in, and we'll let the listeners decide. Uh, Ter Terrell, what was the name of the album? Uh, Sophia Quarter's new album. Oh, damn. Suffocating feats of dehumanization. On uh, Haunted Hotel Records and Nerve Alter Records, two great New York labels. Shout out to them, too. Another, well, 
a, a New Jersey band. This is what I, this is my my recommendation is something from back in the day, very special to me. A New Jersey band that and and like all great New Jersey band, New New Yorkers love to try to claim them. Um, God forbid, with their band with their album Determination, sophomore album from two thousand one Century Media Records. Kind of a different recommendation. I don't always bring in a metalcore album, quote unquote metalcore. Uh, two thousand one. I think this this was an era where like it wasn't saturated yet. The core word wasn't a dirty four letter word to throw onto a genre yet. You know, like um, uh, this this is they were doing everything as heavy as the kind of like Slayer and Crowbar influenced bands, and I'm talking about like the initial victory records run with buried alive and hate breed and bloodlet i want to say god forbid was just as heavy as those bands but they were also adding a lot of really nuanced a like like proficient thrash metal and progressive metal influences and doing it like very seamlessly it wasn't like between the buried and me where they would kind of just like like very obviously jar jar you with different genres throughout one song God forbid would I think what God forbid took from thrash metal and progressive metal was the song craft and songwriting and they and they took the, that and added the brutality and the breakdowns and the rhythms of metalcore and hardcore and the attitude of hardcore and they did it in a really compelling convincing way this is not just a quote unquote metalcore album cuz metalcore and deathcore have become such like washy shitty terms that people don't like to to use. I don't know, but I have I have a little bit more to say. But but Terrell, I'll let you maybe take over and add your thoughts. No, no, you you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. And like this is that OG. God forbid, I was listening to it and I realized I've heard some of these songs. Maybe not the whole album, but I definitely got that vibe. It's not. We were kind of talking about it when we were in the studio too. Like that new wave of American heavy metal. It's almost there is not quite there it still has that the og hardcore roots um you mentioned slayer I, and we even talked about iron maiden and queensryche i was hearing that combined with like hate breed you know and there was a little more focus on uh, melodicism i guess the lyrics and shreddy parts over the breakdowns even though the breakdowns are still there um but no this is cool man i I thought this was cool. I, I don't love it as much as Seven Angels Saving Seven Plagues, but uh, you know, that has a special place in my heart. But this album definitely I could see it like it it really paved the way for um metalcore bands down the road. And they really they were doing something different. They were kind of ahead of the game. Because what what was this, two thousand one? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, definitely the so the forefront of that newer wave. So like, yes, you're your metalcore purists. No, it's not Dead Guy. You know, no, it's not Rorschach, but this is this is still uh OGs compared to something like All That Remains and As I Lay Dying, the things that maybe the younger folks are are, are more used to. So if you like any of that um more melodic accessible medical, definitely check out God Forbid. Yeah, you mentioned All That Remains and As I Lay Dying. Two other bands that came to my mind were Kill Switch, Engage, and Lamb of God. Yes. Kind of from this era, rose to prominence, are what people think of when they think metalcore. Respectfully, 
because those bands are doing great without me. Um, I, I don't listen to those bands. Uh, you could play me. I'm sure that the listeners and you could suggest albums or songs, and I could say that's that's a great song or whatever. I'm not not trying to put anyone down. Just people. I'm more I'm more into like Last Days of Humanity than I am into that. You know what I'm saying? Comparatively, <laughs> like people know yeah. where I fall. I'm not dissing anybody. That being said, God forbid determination. I um, shout to Tom Ander our bass player in Reeking Aura and Buckshot Facelift and Gray Skies Fallen, big friend of the crew. Um, him and I have known each other since we were about 12 or 13 years old in Finley Junior High School. And when this album came out in 2001, we were uh, probably like 19 or 20 or so. And um, God, he was a little bit, Tom was always a little bit more on, onto the hardcore and metalcore stuff at the forefront of it back in, the, in those times that I was. And Tom put me onto this when it was brand new album. And it blew my mind because I was a little bit of an elitist death metal guy at that point. And, um, uh, you know, this this could hang. You know, this could hang with metal. This could hang with whatever metal band you want to talk about. It wasn't, it didn't give off the impression, as some bands may at some points, of like kind of inexperienced hardcore kids trying to play metal chops. This is a true like born and bred like metal you know these guys are metal heads and musicians cake cake like uh, uh competitive you know capable musicians that are writing songs and like i said i almost hear like like the songwriting and the song structure and what these guys are trying to like paint the overall picture of is like the that's the element of the thrash metal and the and the and the, and the pure progressive metal and they do it in such a way where they like include brutal hardcore parts and like they could you know like they could hang with buried alive or somebody you know or e-town concrete candiria i think i saw when i was looking this up just now um because candiria was century media too if i'm not mistaken and i guess candiria there was like a split promotional uh ep or a split promotional tape released around the time of can with candiria's album and candiria around the time was probably like 300 density or the process of self-development maybe one of those out and like that's just set the bar so high for this metalcore shit that that's kind of why I don't listen to a lot of the bigger metalcore bands that would go on. And like like we said, those four, you know, the Killswitch Engage and the Lamb of God, nothing against those bands, but the bar was set so high by God forbid on this album and by Candiria and other bands of that ilk that it's like, it's very hard for me to keep up with it. So in short, without rambling too much, before I pass it back to you, Terrell, what I guess, well, the reason I bring this to the table is again, for the listeners, who maybe aren't, the, you know, the metalcore people, the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, East Coast hardcore and metalcore, they, they already know what I'm talking about with this album. But if you're like a metalhead and metalcore is a dirty word to you, this might be something where you look into and say, all right, these guys did it. You know what I mean? That, that's all. I'll leave it. Any final thoughts, Terrell? No, you said that really well. They had the chops. I can, completely, I can really see these guys on, like, mixed bills back in the day. Um, and Candiria is such a perfect fit. Like they were, they were kind of doing different things, but had the same kind of roots, like heavy metal with the hardcore. And obviously, Candiria is kind of even light years ahead of the game. That's why it's so hard to hit that bar of three hundred percent density. Um, I think just one comment I had too. I I was watching a video, and I believe um, it was the guitarist of God Forbid um, being interviewed along with Ethan. Um, McCarthy from Primitive Man and Vermin Womb and various projects. And they were kind of talking about metal and mainstream music. And I think it's, which was cool about our recommendations is not that Sulfuric Cartery is a super obscure band, right? 
but maybe to like a surface level metalhead that could be obscure. And Sephiric Artery is just unrelenting and they're all about pushing that sound. And that's something that Ethan in this interview was talking about. Um, on the flip side, the God forbid guitarists were saying, well, hey, you know, there's a reason why some of these bands will get popular, whether it's the vocals or not uh, having that image. And Ethan's like, well, that's not the point. Our, our point is just being um, on like having a completely streamlined vision unperverted by outside expectations. And um, maybe I'm not saying that obvious, you know, people will say, oh, God forbid, so whatever. I don't, I think maybe record labels found what they were doing to be a, a trendy thing more than them selling out um, or anything like that. But um, I don't know. I just wanted to toss that. And I thought it was funny that the, uh, the recommendations kind of aligned with that. You know, you got your purists and then you got people uh, catering a little to wider audiences. And whether intentional or not that almost reminds me in a way of that story about human remains not getting signed to metal blade back in the day because they they wore like baseball caps and like yep. normal clothes as, as opposed to like having you know the metal image so i to think speak. that happened a ripping corpse as well with a earache or something like that it's like oh one guy yeah didn't have long hair or some shit like that it's it's interesting nowadays i mean i feel like nowadays image is still part of it i feel like the scene is so there's so many lanes nowadays where there's like lanes where image is more important than other lanes i'll put it that way like with with that is true within death metal like there's still parts of death metal where image is important and i think image can get you image can get you a wider audience definitely but like death metal and grindcore are very forgiving in, in terms of image as i as i've experienced myself <laughs> um uh but yeah so that so that being said man um uh tom let, let's let's let him ring out with a little bit of god forbids determination album from 2001 on Terrell, thank you very much uh, for joining me and for bringing your recommendation and your thoughts. Your um, uh, one more time for the people, uh, the the name of your new band and um, the the show you guys are playing. Yeah, the new project is called Solastalgia, um, and then we'll be playing um, opening up for Jones. Welcome to Jonestown, uh, part two. This is James Jones, the prolific drummer in NYC. He's putting on his own fest. And we're happy enough to um, be able to open for our friends and a funeral dancer. You know, shout out to Locust Mortis and the Long Island guys, uh, Bludgeoner and Sarmat. So this it'll be a cool night. All right, man. Good for you. I wish you guys the best of luck. Unfortunately, like I said, I'll be out of town. Uh, Exsanguinated going to be uh, touring um, Ohio, uh, the, the the Midwest, coming up through the South. Check out so check out Exsanguinated on social media. Uh, for those tour dates, man. Mutilatred, Morbid Visions. Uh, we, we got a whole bunch of different bands up in the mix, man. Check out which which shows they're going to be at uh, coming to you. Pittsburgh, we're going to be out there. Check out Exsanguinated on social media. Unfortunately, I'm also going to miss on the 9th of June, that Friday, Gray Sky's Fallen. 
rare live appearance with Mother of Graves and Soul Shade at the King's Land in Brooklyn. So the whole team, the whole team is working that week. We're just not all working in the same time and place, man. It's like Quantum Leap. We're at different times and places, but we're all trying to accomplish the, the, the greater good. Um, yeah, too many quantum jumps in the Jeep, bro. Yeah, dude. That yeah, was real it in. That's you know, when I brought it to Al's mechanic, he called up Ziggy and that's what they said. I, they had to replace the time <laughs> the time coils. Too many, too much quantum leaping in the Jeep. Um, but uh, before I start start freestyling, man, Sunday, June eleventh, none of my team is going to be uh, participating except for the Saint Vitus team. They, they're my team, man. I love those people. The Saint Vitus Bar will be hosting Hellwitch from Florida Classic. I wanted to just shout this out because this is one of those shows. I'm going to be on the road with my band, but this pains me that I'm going to miss this tour. Hellwitch from Florida. Um, I really want to interview Pat Hellwitch. I've emailed him once or twice. I got to get in touch with him. Um, if you can put me in touch with Pat Hellwitch, we got to get him on the program eventually to tell his story. Sunday, June 11th at the St. Vitus Bar, Hellwitch will be there. Their current tour, they're doing tr- Transgeneral Misgreancy, the, the, the hard-to-pronounce album title, but that's their classic <laughs> album, tra- um, Transcend- Transgeneral Misgreancy. Uh, uh, that album, I think, I don't know if, if I had you on, Terrell. Was it you when we talked about this? On the podcast, no, no, not Hellwitch. Yeah, are you familiar with that album at all? Or no, no, I'm not. Good, I, good, I good. Look into it. Bonus recommendation round, lightning round. I'm gonna have Tom. I'm, I'm gonna have Tom put a sound effect there. Yeah. Um, let me get the album now because it is hard to pronounce. Hold on a second. All right, this is good because I've totally mispronounced the name. Trend, uh, Hellwitch. Sinjeel Miscreancy. Hellwitch uh, Sinjeel Miscreancy is the album. Classic album, man. This is... Oh, boy. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee and take this slow. (laughs) This is a beautiful album. This is an album that should be up there with albums by Death, albums by Possessed, albums by... um, deceased classic first generation death metal with um with with nods and roots to and and from classic thrash metal um beautifully technical uh, uh before the era of tech death technical in the in the way of songwriting and performance and musicianship standout performances this is uh, if you're a fan of of uh, disincarnate dreams of the carrying kind, or if you're a fan of uh, uh, you know just some of these like re- like it should be up there in this caliber of of beautiful uh, ex- old school extreme metal albums. Um, this 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 band and and it, that's why it pains me so much that I'm gonna miss Hellwitch on this tour because my own band will be out on the road. So Sunday, June 11th, uh, do yourself a favor and try to get out to St. Vitus Bar to check out Hellwitch. They're on tour right now, or look them up and see where they're coming in a town near you, man. Or just 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 check out that album. Do yourself a favor, bro. Uh, Hellwitch's um Sin Sinji S Y Z Y G I A L Miscreancy album. I got this uh, this reissue over here. Uh, the album was initially recorded in 1990 at Morris Sound Studios in Tampa, Florida, by Scott Burns. Uh, everything's there. It's just one of those things that maybe people don't remember as much as you know, uh, death and monstrosity and malevolent creation and all the other big dogs. So Hell Witch deserves all the respect, in my opinion, man. Um, 
Uh, with that being said, Tom, bonus bonus recommendation round. Bring him in with that Hell Witch, buddy. All right. All right, man. I'm glad we could bring a little bit of that Hell Witch in for the people and for you, Terrell. I'm, I'm going to be behind the scenes production secret. Terrell didn't really hear that, what the listeners just heard. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, buddy. But, you, but I, I recommend you check that out. I will, man. I mean, when you describe that, it almost reminds me of uh, Nasty Savage, right? Like, I've never heard of Nasty Savage for whatever reason. But every OG death metal band you, you speak to, they, they say, you know, Nasty Savage. That's the band they were playing with back in the day. So I wonder if Hellwitch was kind of like that. kind of just got lost in the sauce. Much like Nasty Savage, worth, uh, worth giving a shot to, man. The musicianship will surprise you and you will hear. Th- if you're already someone who studied the Morbid Angels and the deaths and, the, and the so on and so forths of the world, going back and listening to that, will, you'll, you'll, secrets will be revealed. Uh, to you um uh so yeah so that being said man show's coming up well reeking aura uh july the 12th we're gonna be at the old amityville music hall there with uh replicant uh from new jersey and false gods our good old buddies and doom creeper uh we're doing we're doing a tour there with false gods and replicant we're gonna be the next night we're gonna be at uh jimmy's was it jim's bar and grill over there in kearney new jersey right Yes, sir. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then, then, then the next day is uh, Middletown, New York. We're gonna be up there at Quinn's Pins, bowling, playing metal, <laughs> all sorts of crazy shit. It's gonna be I'll throw a bowling ball at somebody's head. Watch out. Um, then the next day we're gonna be down there at Ardmore, Pennsylvania, at the Rail. Love the Rail. We've been down the Rail before. The Buckshot facelift era. Um, yeah, the yeah. rusty nail. It's it's been a while, man. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good to go down there, man. Just outside of Philly, we're going to be down there in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Then the next month, August, we got so many dates, I'm not even going to r- rattle them all off, man. But we're going to be out there with Pyrexia, Atoll. Um, Cerebral Incubation. Oh, that's why I bring you on, man, because you got the brain, man. You still, <laughs> you know, I like that slam. You're younger than me. You still got the brain cells left, man. Uh, we're gonna be out there with all of them, man. We're going on a nice, sick tour all the way down the East Coast and back, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, three dates in Florida. We're gonna be all over Florida in the middle of August. I don't know why, but we're doing it. All right, bring your water. <laughs> bring extra water. Bring extra. Oh water. man. Um, no, I'm just playing, man. We love Florida. It's gonna be a good time down there. Um, we're getting some new merch printed up and everything. That's gonna be August the third through August twelfth. Check social media to see when Pyrexia is coming through town with Reeking Aura, Atoll, and Cerebral Incubation. Cerebral Incubation. That's it, man. I I keep almost saying another brutal death metal band's name, and and that's just that's just death metal at a certain age. You, They're man. so close. There's so many names similar to that band. Oh man, but <laughs> but but there's only one of them, man. Shout out to them, man. Um, looking forward what to kidding. Yeah, looking forward to hitting the road with all those big timers. Terrell, you got a cat there? Yeah, she just hopped on my lap and she's kneading. Uh, she's pulling against my knees. This is awesome. But she's a sweetheart. Tell, tell this is just a preview of what you get if you go to Patreon.com for the Heavy Hole Podcast and sign up. Bonus material like this. Terrell, tell us about your cat a little bit more. Yeah, join our Only Slams account. We have uh, premium cat footage. Um, no, this is, this is Ying Yang, the black and white tux, who is neurotic, but loves people. She's just chilling on my lap right now. Beautiful. This is an audio only podcast, but I can verify that description. It's accurate. It's real. Um, all right. Well, Terrell, seeing, seeing as how you, you got this other thing going on over there, man, I think it's time to wrap it up, man. We shout out to Roberto from Fermento, longtime bucket list guest of the show. I'm a big fan of his music, and uh, we really appreciate him taking the time, man. It was, it was it took some time for us to set that up, and um, 
uh, get that one going. Check out all the music we talked about today, and all the go to all the shows we talked about. Terrell, any any last promotions or plugs or shout outs for all the stuff you're involved in? Uh, I guess maybe for July. Is that too far out to talk about? No, it's, yo, you're too far out, man. Oh, dude. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I was just talking about this at practice uh, tomorrow, but keep these dates in mind if you love Brutal Death Metal. July 20th, you have Defeat of Sanity. I'll just talk about the headliners at St. Vitus. Two days later, you will have uh, Embodied Torment coming back from the Brutal Death Metal lands of the West Coast and Pyrexia, and Thetis is lucky enough to open that show. Oh. That's going to be on the 22nd. Nice. And then on the 24th, you have Cenotaph from Turkey and Putridity from Italy. Beautiful. Um, playing just so two, you know, you have two day breaks or really one day breaks in between these brutal death uh, shows. And the funny thing about the day we're playing with Pyrexia, Cenotaph is playing down the block from my job. So I'm missing out on the convenience of that, but we're opening up for Pyrexia. Thus, so that's going to be awesome. People could just like call out sick to work and pretend there's a festival going on and like go home and eat some food and go back. You know, like it's like a very casual festival where you can go home and sleep for eight hours and then have a meal, feed your cat, go back to the show. You know what I mean? All that sort of thing. Man, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, so check all check out all these fucking shows we're talking about. Check us out on Patreon. Check us out on social media. If you got something you want us to address, an issue going on in the metal scene, a recommendation. Uh, if you want to correct us on anything we talked about that was wrong, we got a fact wrong, um, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail that we may or may not play on the on the air uh, as if this was radio. The number is in the description wherever you're listening to this. Heavy Hole Podcast. Terrell, thank you so much for your time, man. Good luck with that show and all your projects, bro. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. And now I think I'm just going to quietly uh, wrap this up and we'll start editing so you and your cat can go and become one.